0: Full house, 11. Hmm. That's temporary. Okay,
1: so guys, welcome to um, the UK Sangha. It's um, uh, Sunday afternoon in early May. What is this, the 5th or the 6th, something like that? The 7th, wow, numbers fly, don't they? All right, so... Um, the thing about that is, is that it's the numbers that fly on your calendar, but people mistake that and think that it's days, but every day is a day. Just they're all the same. Every day's a holiday and they're quite holy. But the numbers keep flying by. Such is the nature of the mind. We can't tell the difference between a day and a number. <laughs> so, we're going to talk a little while today about what is the mission of the Open Sangha Foundation. And uh, the mission, basically, is to unify Buddhism in the West. A pretty lofty goal to unify it because the Westerners already come with a divided, divisive mentality. And a lot of people think that the Mahayana is different than the uh, the Theravada or the Zen or whatever, like that. And they sort of put them into various buckets.
2: DJ, good to see you. Good to see you, Dom Rado. <laughs> and the rest of the crew. <laughs>
0: uh
1: huh. So the Western mentality is, is that these things are all different because uh, Christianity is all broke up. And so we would think that Buddhism is all broke up to one fact. No, what happens with Buddhism, and has happened historically in Asia, was is that the actual teachings of the Buddha got transmitted to different places in kind of bits and pieces, always just enough to make it work. Zen's got all they need to make Zen work. And they've had uh, uh, Zen masters for centuries and centuries. And we know all about it. they got a huge, uh, interesting lineage and a whole lot of jokes around it. And so whatever they're doing, they're doing it right. Until Zen gets to the United States or in the West someplace, and then all of a sudden it's the Westerners who think that they're doing it. In fact, they force themselves to do it exactly right. And that's the problem, because Zen is not exactly right. It's actually exactly nothing. <laughs> and that's as hard when we've got the idea that we've got to get things right. So uh, it's also been said, by the way, that the Theravada who study Zen, they know Zen better than the Zen masters. They may not be able to practice it yet, but they certainly know it. Why? Because the whole quality and everything in the Zen can be found in the suttas. So the teachings of the suttas got there, but the suttas themselves didn't. The problem is, is that in the West, it all comes from um, lay people, not monks, that monks didn't come like they did all over the Asia, the monks spread the Buddhism. And, uh, and they did it in a family kind of way. They traveled in in groups. And this was how Buddhism was spread in the West it's spread by books. By internet.
0: And by sometimes celebrities. Rather than the actual real Dhamma.
1: And so that's what gives the idea that if we can bring all of those together, we can bring them back so that the the teaching of the Buddha actually becomes quite effective, no matter which cultural baggage you want to carry along, you'll eventually drop that baggage. And then you're actually just in the Dhamma or the Dharma, put an R in it if you like, I don't care. So that's at the top scale. At a little bit lower down in the structure, because I'm just giving you the top idea, but in there's deeper into the structure of, well, when someone comes, let us say to the website. There's a wide variety of people with a wide variety of experiences with Buddhism. One of the things for sure is they probably have heard about Buddhism or they wouldn't be on the site, so we don't have to go to that level, but we may in fact put some basic stuff about the Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Noble Path. But we do want to make distinctions between new students, old students, wannabe teachers, actual teachers, teachers that charge nothing, teachers that do it for free, teachers that are ordained. This would be the various strata. And then we're going to collect all of these people who sign in and give us their information, the ability to contact each other either through um, comments, messages, or emails. We'll also allow everybody to have one, two, or three photos and that kind of thing, so that we get a massive amount of information about a massive amount of people. And then we can do searches like, I want everybody who knows anything about Zen who lives in California, and it will give you all of that data. And so the point then is is that what we're going to be looking for as a project that actually costs money is that I want to start supporting people who are afraid but do want to leave the lay life, but they don't know how to do it because they have to have money. And there's a kind of a big transition that happens between, uh, let us say, living the ordinary life and living a life of of ease and comfort on the cheap. And that's what we're recommending. But Some people need support, support like with plane tickets, support like, in fact, my ideal would be that instead of all of the guys getting on a jet plane and coming to Tainan, is to people start going all over the various watts in the West. Go introduce yourselves, See what's happening there—not just what's in the sense of Thai, Lao, and Cambodia, but whatever is there available. So that if you're into Theravada, go visit the uh, Zen Center. Go visit the Mahayana. Move around. Find out what's going on. Network so that we can begin to get to find these guys who actually do wanna ordain and they can audition then on the website of who is willing to support me at $5 a month or $10 a month and let me go and live in Watt Greensboro. Or maybe another way of saying it is is that God probably won't much have much need for money. He probably already owns a car and that's okay if he already owns it, in fact you probably all the physical goods that he owns he could probably pack into his car and then go live in in the watt with the car in the parking lot doesn't have to travel much but then if he starts to teach and starts to get moving around in the neighborhood then he'll need a little traveling money but the idea then is is that if we can get westerners to move into the various watts all over the place then uh and make friends by the way with the abbot no matter what tradition it's in, but learn from the monks because these monks have been into Buddhism their whole lives. Doesn't matter what tradition he's in, he's in it. And lay people are not. And so lay people cannot help lay people in some of the things that need to be helped, and monks can't help lay people in other things. And so to get well-rounded, we actually need to spend some time with monks. But here's the point. If you can move into the Watt and hang out there, don't have to work anymore because you've got your food and your uh, board paid for by the Watt, they'll take care of you. Maybe we we'll want to make a donation to the Watt on your behalf also to make sure that everything is hunky dory in that right. And so then the abbot will make a plan on well, oh, now we can teach meditation in English here at this place. And so once a week, we'll start having meditation classes. And then maybe after a while, we can have a weekend retreat. It'll have 10 or 15 people to come do an actual retreat at the Wat where the Asian people are normally feeding. But th- there will be some expenses in those um, retreats. So that the Open Sangha Foundation will be willing to pay for the retreats so that the... Um, The people who are participating in the retreat will learn about generosity, and then they will start to donate to Open Sangha Foundation on their own behalf. And so this whole thing will grow. But that's where we're looking for the money, is we're looking for money to support people. Then in fact, if anybody actually ordains, they will need very little from us after that, because any Asian community will take care of all the needs. I've been around Asians, I know, that especially in the West, they're very protective about their monks, even Westerners. They become family members. They're well-loved. And this is what the word Sangha is really all about. Sangha means friendship. It means having close friends that are nobly-minded. The noble Sangha. Well, you see the Thai uh, sangha of monks most of the time and in most places is actually quite noble, impressively so. They're very, very well behaved and very, very jolly old guys, really worth spending time with just on, you know, just by letting the dhamma soak in without having been spoken. But in fact, that's what happened to me in Thailand was that Achan Po did not know English very well. In 1984, 85 when I was there. But he sure knew how to teach the Dhamma. (laughs) In very few words. So uh, the Westerners need to be around old masters like that. And the United States and other places are full of them. Why? Because the Thai people, the Asian people in the West when they go monk shopping in their home country to bring a monk back to the U.S. to start a while, they know what they're looking for, don't they? One thing is they don't want young monks, they want old monks. Another thing is, is that they, if, a, if a monk really wants to come to the United States, they'll reject him out of that, for that reason. They want to find monks who don't want to come and then cajole them into doing it. Because the guy who wants to come to the West has got some interest in the West, and therefore he will probably get here and after a year or two will disrobe and now he's got, he, you know, he's got his whole body in the door by then. And so for that reason, they've had that is that they don't want monks like that. They want top quality and they've got them. More than likely, uh, you can find a wat that's quite beneficial for you even if they believe things that you don't believe superstitions and whatnot like that that in, uh there's a lot of watch in the u.s that uh especially in the community of thai they all know about bhikkhu buddhadasa he is standard literature now in thailand and the, but many of the Lao wat's haven't heard about bhikkhu buddhadasa but they sure know how to understand the dhamma and to practice it and become noble. That Bhikkhu Buddhadasa did not have uh, a, a one-up on chip on on nobility. That it's common. The only people who don't know it are the Western Buddhists. So, this is the uh, uh, the way is to introduce the noble Dhamma of the monks into the West, so that people can get a good education whether they uh, ordain or not is irrelevant. It's got its benefits and not. Then in fact, a good way of looking at it is sometimes you be a monk, you pretend to be a monk, you act like a monk. Sometimes you ordain and be actually become a monk and then you can disrobe again. This is one of the most important qualities that distinguishes us, uh, the Asian from community from the Western community is that the Western community, uh, the culture is within the Catholic Church. Once you become an acolyte, you're either going to fail or you're going to ordain. Once you ordain, you're either going to die in the churchyard or you're going to get excommunicated. Those are the only two uh, options. But within Buddhism, it's a swinging door. I see the, uh, the, the gates to the what, always wide open. But if I was going to put doors on it, I'd put saloon doors, you know, out of the Old West, where these boards go back and forth. And you they'll go either way, right? So you can just robe and then come back. Then in fact, in the time of the Buddha, there was one story of a guy who ordained seven times. Because his family needed him uh, on occasion to go and help them with the plants. Now monks don't cut plants. We don't like to cut the grass.
0: So um, sometimes the family needs them. And so they will disrobe
1: and go home and live the lay life for a few months or longer and then come back and robe up again. And they're, they're welcome, happily welcome.
0: Glad to see you back.
1: And so this is the way that we're thinking about Opening the the doors of Sangha to the Western community, so that we can see each other as a family, a community, of friends, where we'll be welcome wherever we go, because we come with an open heart and a clean mind. So this is what the Open Sangha Foundation is, and you know there are actually a lot of websites out there that are promoting various things there's huge communities that are associated with buddhist ethics or not just buddhist ethics but asian uh, religions in general primarily that happens because the teachers are not quite ready to be teachers those guys who want to be the teachers and found some big zendo or whatever in uh, uh whatever country If they were actually ordained and living as monks for a while, they would know what kind of relationship to have with women and with people. And then they could come back and they could keep their mind and their hands clean while they're teaching the Dhamma, rather than having all these scandals. And I don't want to start talking about all the scandals I know, but... Buddhism is as scandal ridden as Christianity <laughs> and why is because the teachers that are teaching the Buddhism are no more mentally clean than the uh, Christian preachers that's just the facts of life what we can actually do about that though see Christianity has absolutely no absolutely no solution to that problem on a mass scale but within Buddhism we do On a mass scale. There's about 500 watts, I predict, in the United States. Uh, A couple of years ago, when I was talking to uh, Anjan Reet in uh, Wat Atam Mayatarrama in Seattle, he said that currently there were more than 200 Thai watts. Now, that's amazing, because all the Thai people who got into the United States got there on their own. But the, the other Asians, like by the millions we're talking about, millions of Laotians, millions of Vietnamese, millions of Cambodians were in the refugee camps and finally in the 80s, they went to the US. And that's why there are so many temples, so many watts with a lot of monks. When I was there 15 years ago in North Carolina, there were more than 40 Theravada monks and a good smattering of Vietnamese uh, who <laughs> the Vietnamese are actually quite gushy because the government, uh, 50 years ago, uh, forced Theravada and Mahayana to merge, which was the best thing that could happen to them. So in the US, I see both Mahayana and Theravada monks living in the same wat uh, in the, um, Vietnamese tradition and they're both, they're welcoming to both sides of it too. So this is the way that we want to look at it and there's ample opportunity With 500 watts, if we had one guy in each one of those watts, that means that we could have 500 retreats every month. We can handle 5,000 people, almost free of charge, because it's all done by joyous giving. And it doesn't cost anybody much of anything with the understanding of paying it forward. We pay for the first retreat, And then we say to the folks, Hey, if you got any value out of this retreat, why don't you help pay for the next one so that other people can get benefit? And so we begin to pay things forward. This is how I, I, in fact, I I think of it with ha Po. I could never return. I could never pay him back what he has given
0: me, but I have to pay it forward to you guys. So take it as a gift. If it's well received then i will be quite joyful and this is what we need to do is
1: continue with that tradition of paying it forward and doing it as in a sense of community and harmony and i think that eventually with that kind of thing happening it might in fact have some political influence on the United States. And then the step after that is destruction and despair like Christians are going through right now. So everything goes through a cycle.
0: But this is the beginning
1: of this one, because other than that, Buddhism is going to stay in the state that it's in now and only get worse because of the influx of millions of people, basically due to AI and the next 10 to 15 years, the whole planet is going to go through major revolutions about employment because all the machines will be doing everything. What does that leave us? Well, to me, that's a grand opportunity to practice. No place to go and nothing to do. We'll just sit here and have fun. Sit within a community, have lunch together, and everything's fine. Go to sleep on the floor and we're good to go. But humanity is not going to do that they're going to be out there with their pick shovels, uh, pickaxes and shovels and all kinds of stuff. Uh, In fact, I think no, that's the wrong era. They're out there in America with their AK-47s and their Glocks. (laughs) (laughs) And in fact, they're already out there. So this is what happened when things begin to fall apart. But out of that falling apart, out of the death of the society that we're having now, that's going to take a few years, there is the possibility of rebirth as an open sangha. So that people communicate and get along with each other in a friendly way. We're not afraid of each other anymore. I mean, almost all people, when they're attacked or they attack someone is because they're afraid that if they don't do it first, they'll be the victim. And so instead of, um, let us say, um, preemptive strikes,
0: we have preemptive hugs. And everybody gets along. If we can train enough people to be able to do that.
1: And I've got already all the teachers we need, more than enough teachers. Where's the students? The students are all afraid that they can't afford or they won't be. I mean, I would, at one time I estimated that uh, uh, my affiliation with Buddhism has cost me more than $10 million in lost salaries. I didn't even miss it. (laughs) But in fact, I feel wealthy. And if I'd have kept all of that money, I would have spent it and felt poor. But now I feel really wealthy. And so if if you have that feeling of wealth and generosity, then we don't harm anybody. We harm people out of fear. So we have to teach each other how to not be afraid of each other. And then we, humans can be like more like, uh, what is it, Leno- Lenobos, rather than chimpanzees. Chimpanzees are at each other's throat all the time. And the Lenobos, every time they have an argument, it ends in sex. <laughs> Generally, right there on the spot. Now, I'm not. I'm not uh, predicting free sex for humanity. I'm predicting free wisdom instead, because that's what humans are capable of: of being able to get along with each other wisely,
0: intellectually. So, let's put this
1: mission statement. Version to arrest. Does anybody have any questions about it?
0: David, what do you think Ah, uh, yeah, sounds uh, very good. Uh, just uh, one thing because i I just came to Thailand, so it's not like uh, I can do much to support the spread of Buddhism in the West, I feel? Being here. Uh, well, I would see you as one of the candidates for our support. OK. hmm. So that you can
1: live the life of Riley. Actually, I've seen actual episodes of the life of Riley. I live a whole lot better than Riley did.
0: <laughs>
1: In that TV series. So anyway this is the uh the the point that i've met many guys already who would love to take the leap i've had several women who are also looking for it that in fact that leap that we're talking about is that which is done not in faith but in uh confidence that we can do this and uh changing one's lifestyle into the dhamma is, is a pretty good working definition of what it means by a stream enterer. You just jump in. You start living the Dhamma. That's what's important. Making money is not important anymore. Why? Because always I feel unhappy and miserable. Fighting with my teammates and fighting with the boss, fighting with the bank fighting with the sec oh i I got 10 million dollars of course i'm going to have a battle with the sec (laughs) and it's an unhappy lifestyle and people don't know that but if we can get a, a group of people a larger group who learn how to to live with each other in a harmonious way then that mentality will
0: start to grow it's noble and we know that it's higher quality
1: My mom said something like that. She was a Southern Baptist. I mean, right down to the core. She she uh, went to, I started to say lived in. She lived in many Baptist churches, more so than at home. The, the old story is, is that we went to the church every time the door opened. Well, my mom had the key.
0: <laughs>
1: and so did my dad. So that's the kind of background that I had. So when I get into Buddhism and other things like that, I go into it. 25 year old long dialogue with my mother. And I can tell for sure that I won that dialogue with her because one of the things she said, among other things, is is that she can see for sure that the lifestyle and the way that we live is a higher quality than top notch in Christianity. The preachers no. the Buddhist monks, we have it, and the word monk is a bad translation. It gives people the wrong idea of being monkish. No, we're, we're bikkhus. We're chattering monkeys sometimes. <laughs> and so um, that, that whole quality of being able to change back and forth so that we can experience it that way, allows us then to live in the world the way that my mother would have hoped and expected that all of the preachers and everyone that she knew in the baptist church would live could live but don't and the way that buddhism is now that i just mentioned that wow it's so many scandals You'd have hoped that the scandals had died with Chuladasa, but I hear they haven't. (laughs) And and, and old stories get retold over and over again, so uh, it's, it's kept alive. But if we can find a more noble way of teaching the Dhamma so that we're not dependent upon, or let us say, putting ourselves into the guru position of having young women love and adores which is what happens with every preacher and every guru but not the buddhist monk because of the training basically in fact you could say that most of the training that the thai monks get about that is from the thai women the thai women are the ones who train the monks in the sense that if the monk does something wrong and the Thai women know what the rules are, she'll make a point of it because <laughs> this is a matriarchal society. And so the Thai women keep the, the monks straight as well as they know not to touch the monks, not to go near the monks, to leave the monks alone and expect the monks to leave them alone. And after years of training of that, that's probably what we're going to do, even if we begin to teach in the Watts and have young women come by. But if we go buy a building and then set up shop there, when those young women come by to that building, there may be a bed in the back. And now we're back into the same mess that that Buddhism is in and Christianity is in that we don't have that noble attitude. And the same thing goes with money. In fact, that's the bigger issue. It's not the sex, it's the money because Buddhism has, I think it because of its association more with psychotherapy that Buddhism, by the way, in America as a religion doesn't stand a chance that all of those Asian watts are unique in and of themselves and Westerners don't go there, except maybe for tourism. So the Asian watch are, you know, sort of over there someplace in the mind of most Westerners, but we can in fact go in and make that connection. The the monks would really love it. The lay people would love it. But the one who was afraid to go is good old years truly. I'm afraid to go to the what until we get an organization going which invites us to go. We can look up on the on the index. We can we're going to get every what that we can to to sign up, get get their information so that we can pinpoint them on the Google map. And give everybody every opportunity to find local places and go see what's there. And then write it up for us so that everybody knows. And then we can start to have an idea of recommended places. And so we can find a way of of getting this. Right now we're in a great deal of darkness about it. But the possibility is organization. Hey, everybody else uses computers. The banks use it. The government uses it. Buddhists could use computers, too.
0: And have fun at it. (laughs) So does anybody have any questions? We've
1: been going here. I mean, this is only half a story and I mean half an hour rather.
0: And I'm running it. Yes. Yes, Susan.
2: Where are the women going to fit into this? <laughs> I'm, At, and I, I say that very lightheartedly, but I'm, I, I've mm-hmm. only... Ju- I've excellent watching.
1: answer, excellent answer. In I'm the, the same here. <laughs> In the same watch that the men would do it because the women actually, the Asian women in the community run the place. And we would expect to have women in the retreats. That in fact, uh, uh, the, the only issue that I can see is is that most of the smaller watch don't have room for the women because there's not enough women there to have. Yeah. But, that, but we're going to fix that too. That's not chauvinism. That's just a matter of availability. Yeah. And if you start hanging around and make friends with the old Asian women at any watch,
0: they'll find a room for you. That if you if the women go to the the monk and ask about it,
1: he's going to get all flustered and bothered because women are not supposed to come to him for that kind of stuff. But that's the but but in the Western mentality, oh well he's the boss, I gotta go to the boss to get this kind of problem fixed. And so there's part of the miscommunication. Thanks for answering or asking this question, Susan. Just because there's not so many and I will tell you what part of the reason why men are so into spirituality is because they are so into suffering and Dukkha and they know it. But I would say offhand that women are more balanced and therefore they don't wind up needing. A a clear example to me is is that uh, the nurses do all the dirty work for the surgeons and the surgeons do nothing but take their little scalpel and cut a little bit and hold it up in the air and everybody to see while all the women are doing all the work now tell me an industry where that doesn't happen especially in the old days where the typist you know the secretaries they ran the show
2: (laughs) (laughs) i think there's a difference as well going on well, here today as well, um, because I've noticed that basically sangers that are trying to build up that depend on IT and using computers. Women do do it, I do it, but the women tend to want to um, have that Sangha face to face.
1: Yes. Uh, less inclined agreeable. to use IT. Yes, that's exactly right. That in fact, uh, um, in, we're actually to the point of of asking the question, are we ready to actually have a Zoom account so that we can handle 300? I don't see us using Zoom like that. I would say that we would be more likely to use it the way that people use Skype and just two people get into contact, maybe three or four. The Skype to me looks like a very good platform for this kind of thing. I mean, we're on Skype now. It works fine. But we, but uh, video calls are are something that we would encourage. That's, in fact, something. Thank you for asking that question, because what we'll do is uh, give uh, on our sign up form peel a place to put a Skype address
0: so that they can be found That this is very, very much in a way, kind of like LinkedIn for reality. And so uh yeah, having video
1: calls and, and contacts and all of that kind of stuff. And the and the best part about it is is that it actually solves the problem of it being too big and too wide. Never mind how much wonderful it is, world. It's too big and it's too wide and there's too many people, but the internet and the ability to gather data about people makes it a whole lot easier to do. This project that we're talking about now could not happen until now. This is a project couldn't happen in the 1990s or before, or even in the nineties. So this is something new. And so who knows what kind of technology this database may be hooked up to where all I have to do is say, Susan, and wherever you are, you'll say, yeah, I'm here. because we got an implant and we're wired to uh, Elon
0: satellites.
1: (laughs) And all we have to do is have that connection. And that's what the database is for, is to help people get
0: connected with each other. So that distance uh, be not a barrier. And I really like your idea. Yeah,
1: we're going to do uh, availability of a lot But in fact, here's the idea with that, too. And that is, is that when when guys are ready to make a big leap into it, one of the things that we all want to do along the way is teach the Dhamma, even the beginners. That, that are getting results for it, they want to fix their family right away. They don't have the skills yet, but they know what's wrong with them. <laughs> they can certainly tell that. They can diagnose correctly, they just can't fix it. But we're all wanting to do that, to diagnose what the problem is and to get it fixed. this I mean, we're kind of physicians, each one of us, it's built in to us as a package and that's something that's beneficial. So there will come a time when people actually are willing to teach the Dharma Let's do that on Zoom. And we'll get other teachers and other students to listen to them, maybe. And we don't even have to critique because anyone who gives a Dhamma talk, they want to go back in their mind and review it in second chance. It is always the point of, did I tell the truth according to what I know for sure is correct? Or am I just repeating hearsay from some Joe Blog? Uh, uh zen master down the street we we start to put together where our sources were so that we get real confident about what we know and why we know it and this can only be done through the teaching and the repetition over and over again and that and so zoom or skype would be an excellent venue so that we could have a Dhamma talk like this
0: every night on two continents And that would be very beneficial for other, other students, other teachers. Hint and hint, DJ
1: (laughs) (laughs) and Scott, where's Scott? Scott's not here. Danny's not here, (laughs) but yeah, Yeah. we need a lot of that communication community. Where people can share the Dhamma. That's where we learn it by repeating it, by growing it. I mean, that's why people join clubs. A good example for me was the astrology club that I was uh, invited to join. The astrono- the uh, uh, <laughs> the astronomers' club. Some of them with great big telescopes and uh, easy access to the um um uh, uh. What do they call that great big place? It's got stars and uh, 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 a planetarium. That's what they call it. And those guys were really, really good buddies with each other. They didn't compete much, but they all were really curious about uh, the new discoveries that Hubble was making. I bet those guys are all over each other right now, over the stuff that uh, uh, the new telescope, uh, the James Webb is coming up with. Okay, so when we get really interested in something, we want to be in it a lot. We wanna be around other people who are in it a lot. So that's what the Buddha came up with, with the, uh, 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 the noble sangha of monks. Let's have a noble sangha of friends, no matter how they're dressed or what they're doing. How many here people already have enough friends? Don't want any more, had enough, had it up to here with friends. Oh, no, we can always use more friends. Oh, <laughs> 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 Had it up to here with us, huh?
0: <laughs>
2: I actually feel I have a, a lot of friends. So, yeah, 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 you're right. Never enough.
1: <laughs> and not only that, but here on the uh, international song, there's still not enough of us to find each other locally. But I bet that there would be good Dhamma friends in whatever city that you're in. You just don't know who they are. So we need a way of connecting. So that you can have close dear friends. And an opportunity to practice generosity. That's one last thing that I'll say. Is is that when I first became a monk, I didn't like it because Achan Poe took me on Pindabad himself along with a few other monks and took us to the back of the wat to a really, really poor neighborhood. It was hard to get there. It was slim pickings where we were there and hard to get back to the Watt. Intentionally so. Uh, part of the, part of the training and that my attitude was, hey, Why should I want to take anything from these people? They're already poor enough, and I'm better than they are because I've seen better money than they ever have. You know, that kind of mentality. But then I learned to actually be grateful to their generosity. I was ruining their generosity by being above it. Their gifts weren't good enough for me. Sort of like Johnny when he gets socks from granny at Christmas and he looks down on those socks and look down on granny because that's all you got for me is socks for Christmas? (laughs) Where's my pony? (laughs) (laughs) And and so that uh, learning then to be grateful to these people. And as the gratitude grew, so was the, the bounty for some reason. It got better. Or maybe I just got used to it. But this is a part of the uh, the practice is to learn to be generous and grateful with each other. That this is the thing that promotes friendship. And so we go about looking for ways to help people. That's one of the reasons why I will keep to anybody who wants to come to Thailand. They've got a free room on my porch here. They're welcome. You're welcome.
0: Susan, even you, you're welcome. We got room for women. So uh, practicing generosity, in fact, is what this is all about.
1: The, the people, the, the, the Asian people, generously provide for the monks. And the monks provide for the lay people. But they still have a lot of dhamma left over. And so having Westerners come in, they would love that. They really want you. Every time that I've uh, sent someone to the watch to go check it out, they always come back with, wow,
0: those people, they they wouldn't want to let me go home. (laughs) They want me to stay. (laughs) So, um,
1: in the Western society, we don't expect that because the Western society is full of fear, trepidation, danger uh kind of like the idea that everybody's out to rip us off every stranger that we meet is a dangerous person and we can change that attitude within our group here to where every stranger you see is a perfect opportunity
0: for a new friend if you're open we can build a sangha Anybody
1: got any more questions? Like, why can't you talk about something else? I have a question. Please. I've, I've, I've got to so, go and I'm just
2: well, going to say
1: bye bye. Bye. OK, bye-bye, bye Susan.
2: bye. <laughs> yeah. First, first, I have a uh, if someone comes to Spain to the south, I have a, a place that we can we can stay. I mean, it's just it's just passing by here. I have like a. Two rooms to spare and uh are we doing are we doing like a database of of what's or something because in Spain I know like maybe three four places uh different different traditions mm-hmm. uh, there is Tibetan, yes.
1: and there is, so having yeah. those connections having their website having their email having their phone number, having their address, having their uh, information about their tradition, having some photos, all of that stuff would be good. That's what we want to put in the database. So that when we look okay. up a Watt, we can find out all that information about them.
2: Cool, okay. I will start working with that then.
1: Mm-hmm. And there's various different search techniques that we could use to help find each other. For instance, sometimes you want to look for just Watts. And sometimes you want to look for anything that's Theravada. And then sometimes you want to look for only people who are beginnering students, or you want to only uh, reach for teachers. Oh, you
0: know? okay, okay. And so
1: this is the kind of searching that we can do so that people can oh. connect with the kind of people that they're looking for. And build that. That's network. awesome. I hope that it becomes that way. Well, I'm not sure what awesome means, but uh, uh, maybe the right word is aw shucks them.
0: A what? Aw shucks. <laughs> oh, I don't know that one. I don't oh, know that one.
1: It's, it's what you say uh, when you're being complimented and you're shy or embarrassed. Oh, no, no, all right, all right, all right, Okay, aw no. shucks, okay.
0: But awesome, like I get into a state of awe all the time. (laughs) Okay. So yeah, let's let's hope that in fact the website can help a whole lot of people get into states of awesome. So does anybody else have anything?
1: Kat, you've actually put some uh, info just going into the database.
0: Well, my my what uh, report kind of thing
1: on the website? Yeah, yeah, we oh, yeah. put it, it Yeah, we've already it's on. It's up. Ago. Yeah, so yeah, it, it, it's up. And uh, uh, Jesus, you are Jesus rather, you've already put uh, uh, one or two things up. I've just seen them. Uh, and if you've got to other places that you would like to get their information about and give a review uh get some photos of icons something like that anything that you got we'll put it on our database
2: okay uh, yes i sent i send a portuguese one but i am gonna in in some weeks i'm gonna be visiting some some others so. thank
0: yeah. you I, I would like that
1: David, you can write up the purses that you've seen on
0: uh, uh, Koh Samui. Uh, yes, I would like to do that. I've already wrote a bit about the last center I went to, so I'd like to post that. Still. Uh, also, one thing, one question. Uh, yes. So the temples, the monasteries in the West, they usually have websites, right?
1: But- no. And if they do, it's in some foreign language. Usually, yeah, it's only if, here's the thing, if you've got a Lao Watt who who has an English language website, that's only because they've had a farang who comes and has uh, been at the Watt long enough to fall in love with the place and has done their website. And maybe that's really easy to do because they've already got it up in Thai anyway and so going on to multi-language but no that's one of that's one of the problems of gathering information is that it's in a foreign language
0: and yet we yes, can do it anyway and, and, uh, here in thailand i i find it's very hard to find information on the watts here because usually they don't have websites like each nope. lot,
1: like,
0: it's, it's hard to find information like a program or like anything. Like
1: right, that's why I'm playing doing the role of information central yeah. for all the westerners who I know of coming to Thailand, because I know a lot of Watts, but I don't know them all.
0: That in fact on Koh Samui I don't know them all. I barely know any much about all of them on this island.
1: I've been to been to most of them. But on Koh Samui, forget it. There may be 75 or 100 watts on that island. The one that I would recommend for you to go next to is Wat Lamai. It's, Wat by the Lamai. way, in the town of Lamai. Uh,
0: Wat Silenu, is that the right temple? for?
1: Uh, the name of it, as far as I know, they all called it Wat Lamai and it may have a more formal name. For instance, the Wat um, Silenu is the what that everybody says, but it's got actually a, a, a Google name of Tamaratana. And so how are you going to get C to Nu or C see Nu out of uh, Tamaratana? They're, they're just different and that's going to be the problem. So when I tell you a what, like for instance, I was just overjoyed to find out that a what paying boa which was the watt that was dying and dead by 1990 has now got a huge amount of construction. It's a full blown watt now, but it was a, it was a derelict. It was a wreck. Every building was falling down with holes in the floor and all that kind of stuff in the, in, uh, in the late eighties. And now it's got all brick structures all over the place. And that's a big surprise. But the thing that's also
0: a surprise is it's still got the same name in the same place. What paying boa? Which uh. David, you got your uh, video off.
1: So anyway, uh. Those are the kind of places that we can put just a line or two. Um, on, but especially we want to find the places in in Thailand that already receives Westerners and I have found now much to my pleasure, that it's not nearly as tight as it was in the 1990s. In the 1990s, uh, Thailand had kind of had it up to here with Westerners come to ordain because they don't know how to fit into the society and they want their freedom and uh, basically that if a monk has to go someplace like to a dentist or maybe even shopping, he should take a friend with him. They don't travel alone. So when you see a monk out traveling alone in and in un, places that a monk shouldn't be, and as a westerner, the the Thai people they know they know that. and And so there's a lot of stuff. And I can say also that uh, Achan Cha's tradition has been able to train the Western monks correctly. That that's a good if if a if a wad is associated with uh, uh Achan Cha, pretty well you could believe that it's a good place to go. Because the monks there are well trained. But at one time that was the only wad in Thailand that anybody could go to, to to ordain. But that's been loosened up a lot. I got, in fact, two new places, cause uh uh both Eric and Uh, kimasutu ordained outside of that tradition so uh, i know that there's other places so that would be one thing that i would like to find out about Thailand: is where can we send if for instance it's possible that right now we've got five or six guys right here in Thailand. what's going to happen when you when there's 150 to 200 guys what happens when we've got a whole yard full of tents here you know there's other places for them to go. The only reason they'd have to stay here is because I'm too ignorant, <laughs> too stupid to go find out places for people to go. So that's, I'm really interested, uh, David in, in finding that. So you help me and we'll go figure it out. I'll send you to a few places to see, uh, if you want, we can go, uh, look around to find out the places I'd really like for somebody to go to Laos to visit some of the watch there. Why? Because I know that Dhamma Vitu, excuse me, that uh, Eric, both Eric and Kimmas too, have already been in Watson Laos. And so I, I've already known that the connection was very strong between the, the Lao monks and the Thai monks, especially in the border areas. But now we can see that the Prolong are actually crossing that border too. And I already also know that there's a place in Phnom Penh that if somebody wants to go to Khmeria, we've got one place that I can send them there. But that's a city Wat. It's actually downtown um, uh, uh, Phnom Penh. But there's another Watt that I know of in uh, uh, Bantambong that would be good for uh, a young monk for training. Because it's actually a, uh, a grammar school and high school for young boys. They've got it, the monks have traditionally had an education system here in Thailand that's fallen apart because the government's doing education now big time. But over in Cambodia, the the government still doesn't have an educational system going. So most of the kids that are educated are educated in the Wat. But they don't have to be orphans, mom and dad. And in fact, what they do is the boys go out on Bindabat following one monk. That's the head, an adult monk, and he carries all these kids all through the neighborhood, but basically what he does is he knows the route, and he takes kids that are on his route, so that every kid meets their family every day, so mom doesn't have to go to the watch to catch up on him, the kid's there every morning for breakfast, and mom comes out and feeds her boy like she feeds all the other kids in line. I think that's quite beautiful, but that's how they do it in Bantambang. And I would suggest to anybody that would
0: be a good bot for a Westerner to go hang out. So this is the point.
1: We're in the future. Things are going to get tough because of the, uh, the mentality in the West of you got to work. You got to eat. And now all of a sudden there's not going to be any jobs by 2050 2040 there's not going to be enough jobs what are people going to do well we've got the way of the buddha to just sit and hang out a little of everything will do you and you can have a very happy life but the westerners not going to figure that out on their own now are they So does anybody have any questions? You guys have been really silent today.
0: Oh, I don't think I have any questions, but I just want to thank you. This is my first time joining, so I'm grateful.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, Yeah, it it would be good if you gave me a call and we can talk about basic practice.
0: Okay. Yeah, I will do that. Okay. Yeah.
1: Marcus, do you have anything to add? You look like you're really laid out and comfortable.
0: Um, I mean, I'm just glad that the project is uh, taking off and haven't been involved myself because I'm kind of busy with uh, exams and stuff for a little bit, but um, we'll see. All right, I'll take that as a definite later. Oh, I was curious, Don Morato. Um,
2: so, like, currently, does one kind of need to go to Asia in order to, like, fully ordain, essentially? Like, you can kind of...
1: That's no. the mentality, but it's yeah. not the case. Mm. And, in fact, in uh, basically, what we have to do is put things together. And this is what it takes. Number one, it takes an upajaya. It takes an achan it takes a what, it takes an individual westerner and a few people to support him the upajaya is the one who is actually responsible and that the um the achan is who he's going to
0: live with and then the um the the what
1: Normally, isn't going to be the what where the achan is, and we can arrange that. Any basically any abbot of any what, when you make friends with him and he likes the fact that you're around, he will take you under his wing, and if any talks about ordination or whatever happens, he will in fact know how to do that. Basically, what everybody wants and deserves is a really really senior monk for good auspicious ordinations. That's a whole tradition that I don't want to get into in detail, <laughs> but, uh, um uh, was the Sumdhat Sangharaj of Southern Thailand. It was like, he was, uh, in the top six superstar monks in Thailand. And he was my Upajaya. How did that happen? Um, I don't know. Achon Poe did that. <laughs> but it shows what kind of cloud Achon Poe had. All right. I do also know of Anupajaya in um, the US. He hangs around, let's see, where's this guy? He hangs around uh, Atlanta and Dallas and that kind of area within the Lao community. And he's been, He's the last time I saw him was 15 years ago, but he was a very young 40 years a monk. He was just turning into his 60s. He's 75 now, but that, that, those extra years just give him more clout. So 40, 50, 55 years he's been a monk. And he's about 75. And that, uh, uh, he does a lot of that, that duty. He's upegied a, a lot. Most of the ones who have that ordination are for those who are going to stay long term. If the kids are going to ordain for the weekend because grandpa died, then they won't have such a high-class Upajaya that any monk will do. Actually 20 years, a 20-year <laughs> monk will do for that. But mostly you want a 40-year monk, a real mahaidara. So um, they're, they're available in the West. That's the that's the important point, is, is that are there any Upajayas in the United States or in wherever? Wherever they are, they're close enough. that, in fact, uh, uh, with the right kind of conversation, we can get him because we did that on a regular basis from uh, from Atlanta to High Point so that he could do an ordination or two. Because they love to travel.
2: Okay, cool. Yeah, no, I was just curious if you knew like uh, any cases like in the states or what have you of people becoming like ordained so.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I met guy, uh, there was a guy in Tampa, another one who was in Orlando, uh, at uh, Wat Greensboro. I was actually um, not the uh, not either the Opajaya nor the Achan, but I, I did take on the role of the teacher, or take, uh, let us say, the uh, like an instructor at the university rather than a professor kind of thing. But yeah, we ordained two of them, I think one in 2004, another one in 2006 or seven, something like that. So I've been around that kind of ordination. Yes, it's quite okay for Westerners to ordain in the West if they can behave themselves. <laughs> if they can, if they can be polite and happy, then that's all it takes. And that's a big deal for a lot of Westerners.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right actually the best one to talk to i would say right now is eric though he's hard to talk to because he's in laos right now but uh he's been in half a dozen watts in the united states he actually went on a watt tour he's been in the Watts in orlando and he'd been in the Watts in uh mexico he'd been in the Watts in uh, uh all of them in the seattle area and then in yep. fact that's what we will have is, is that once some of you guys are staying in contact with us through the Open Sangha Foundation, that will help the network really grow so that we can find these niches and places like that. Because if an abbot is willing to take one guy and train him, within a few months, he's ready to take on another or two. We can start to pack the watts. All we need is someone who cares enough about the Dhamma that they won't leave the old world but they're too afraid of ordination. Well, you don't have to ordain, just go live with those who are And pretty soon you'll figure out whether that's the lifestyle that you want. And then you maybe eventually ordain. It's easy. <laughs> once you ordain, because then you'll get a whole lot of people to take care of you. We're the first organization that's openly opening our mouth and says, we're gonna support lay people
0: heading in that direction. Because that's the hard part. The guy's already jumped a a hundred or a thousand hoops once he's (laughs) in the
1: robes. After he gets into robes, things are really easy. It's getting into those robes are hard. And the reason is not because it's actually hard. It's because of ignorance and we don't know
0: how to do it. But once we learn our way around. There may be a whole lot more watched in the world. <laughs> <laughs> so if anybody's thinking about it, like hint, hint, cat. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, this is a really nice talk because I would be in Thailand exactly a month from today. So he's talks about it. David, really you nice. hear
1: that? You got a new bro coming. <laughs>
0: So yeah, I'm I'm really uh really appreciative. All right, see you in a month. See you in a month. I may see you, David. Yeah.
1: Yeah, your mic is very noisy, David.
2: Yeah, I'm on the ferry.
1: Sorry. Oh, you're on the ferry. What heading to where? Uh, heading to Gopanan aha well i'll see you in a couple of days then coming home <laughs> i'm going to Tom again yes let's do that together i would like that
2: you want to come too
1: <laughs> yeah not to stay but just to see i'm hoping that Tukata is there that's what i'm looking for is to see if she's there all right
0: does anybody have any parting words for this all right just thank you just thank go you ahead. for for thank you thank you for for all that
2: uh, what you said before about what the I pot did for you and now you do it for us thank you for that i really appreciate that
1: my pleasure Ha-ha.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> i won't go so far as to say the pleasure is all mine because we know that's a bunch of crap <laughs>
0: <laughs> Okay, guys, we'll see you. Bye.